Hello, everyone. This is Delaney, your host of the Nonprofit Hub Radio podcast. Before we begin the podcast, I just wanted to take a minute to announce that this episode is my final episode as your host of the Nonprofit Hub Radio podcast. I've decided to accept a new opportunity outside of the organization, still working to help nonprofits thrive. So although I won't get the pleasure of talking with you anymore, the Nonprofit Hub Radio podcast will continue on with a new host. Thank you for the opportunity to share season four with you. Stay nonprofit proud. Did you know Nonprofit Hub offers a variety of courses and certification trainings inside of their membership platform called Cause Network? All courses and certificates include a full free year of membership to access 365 days of learning and networking to further your career and to make the difference in your organization. Visit nonprofithub.org courses to see the full list of on-demand courses and sign up for a course today. That's nonprofithub.org courses. Hello, Nonprofit Hub. This is Delaney Mullinex, the host of the Nonprofit Hub Radio podcast. I was joined by James Thorne. He is the founder of Quirk Growth. And in this episode, we talk about how to find lasting new donors. Um, Quirk Growth has actually developed the Lasting Donor Locator book. And at the end of this episode, you guys will get a code for 50% off of that book. So make sure you stay tuned to take advantage of that. Um, But James has a passion for um, helping nonprofits connect with donors in non-traditional ways to fundraising, including things like sweepstakes. So this is a really fun conversation. Stay tuned. Welcome, James. It's awesome to have you here. Thank you, Delaney. I appreciate it. I'm excited. Um, Well, why don't we um, kick off by just having you introduce yourself and um, telling our listeners your background and experience in the nonprofit sector. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Yeah, so James Thorne, Court Growth, my team, we're all remote. We love helping people crack the code of finding long-term donors. We, I originally actually right out of high school started working with a group that we went into high school, middle school campuses, and I had to raise my own support, right? So I had to go and fundraise. Uh, I did that for about three and a half years and had to craft my message and work on how to uh, draw people in so they would fund me personally. And then I ended up joining a staff at a church um, and worked for two big churches in DFW, uh, helping in media and communications and aligning with them, finding people to get them in the doors. We had multiple campuses, bigger church. And I did that for about 10 years before launching out and starting my own business. And there were a couple of nonprofits that had launched out of that church that I was very excited about supporting, helping them get going. So I also took the leap and started building a team, um, really supporting nonprofits. We do have some church work, but mainly nonprofits um, with them fundraising, helping them identify the right donors, and then uh, helping retain those donors. How much has fundraising changed since you were doing it for 10 years with that church? That's a great question. Yeah, uh, I would say there's some that hasn't changed, right? I think there's uh-huh. still some things that I'm like, wow, we're still doing this. Uh, we're still in this same way. Um, and then I think that obviously as technology has grown, people are really testing different models on ways to fundraise. And that's what we've been excited about too with our company is finding different ways, non-traditional ways to get people into fundraising uh, that may not be you know, an event or a huge gala or even into beer. Um, and a lot of things that we do are digital. Um, but we're finding those ways to make different connections with the audience that may not know who you are um, or are out there and they're the right person. They just don't know you exist. Yeah. I mean, this is something that I definitely want to talk about to your point about 
like what are the biggest challenges in fundraising today? And I think sometimes we had this conversation at Cause Camp, which is a national nonprofit conference that we organize. And someone's answer that answer to that question was, I think that some some nonprofits are so focused on like all of these new like technologies and these new like upcoming ways to fundraise that they forget to do the traditional ones well. It's mm, um, good. So it's not like a it's not like an either or you know situation. Right. It's like you need to find like a balance. So I I'm like super curious about your thoughts on that too. But um, I mean, what are some of the common challenges that nonprofits are facing when they're attracting new donors, and how how do you specifically help them overcome those? No, that's great. Yeah, to your point, I think uh, just harping on the both sides, traditional, non-traditional, there are some really, and I would say we're not even the best at the non-traditional side. We're really coming in and we're trying to partner with people that are, because we've only been in this space for five years. Mm -hmm. But I would say that um, if you're not talking to the donors that are supporting you, getting advice, finding out from them ways that they want to be a part, new ways that are out there, getting them involved, I think is one of the best ways we've found the best types of non-traditional things to go after because they get excited about it versus you just saying, we're going to try something and test it and see what our donors think, right? Um, Bringing them a part of the journey, I think is helpful, especially if you do have a long-term base of donors that have been a part of what you're doing. Um, Problems we run into because we work with a lot of smaller startup, smaller groups. It's really my heart and passion anyways, is to help them get up to a place where they can be supported on their own, um, financially stable. And with the groups that we work with, a lot of times it is just identifying, really knowing who the donor is, who, who's the type of donor that you're bringing in. And we spend a lot of time helping them first pull that out and say, okay, this is what you're doing. This is the type of donors that are the best support you. And they may only have 100 people that have donated, right? Or they may have had, or maybe there's a base of best 100 donors that have supported them. Yeah. Um, we're then finding those, okay, great. This is the type of donor that best supports you. Let's make sure that you can communicate to them in a way that's very clear. Um, and it's re- a repeatable framework for your team so that you know exactly mm-hmm. what you're saying. And then we go through all the foundations, right? Your website, your email. A lot of people think at first that we're just a marketing agency. And I guess you could identify us as that, but we're really helping first try to figure out who in the world the donor is um, and then make sure that everything that you're doing communicates to them clearly. And that we're actually telling more of the donor's story than we are their story, inviting them into this journey so that they'll want to be a part. Yeah, I think that's really important. I think there's a lot of, you know, marketing agencies who are who are trying to set themselves apart by understanding that like we quant- we quantify like right you said like you have a hundred ideal donors or these are uh you had two donors do this and two are on your monthly giving right. program but like the marketing agencies that are saying okay like you're saying two donors but we understand that those are two people like two human beings like gave to you let's try to understand those two human beings right. Uh, and so I think yeah. that's and I we even I mean we have four private companies that come to us because of relationship and it's the same same process that we're going through is that no most people aren't actually calling and talking to them mm-hmm. right like people that are selling products or you're just getting donations you're not actually calling them and talking to them call them ask them the right questions to figure out why they gave you in the first place what is it about about you that made the difference you know why are they continuing to give um a lot of people just they they love to assume and make you know oh well we believe this or we see this and we've seen this trend and we're watching this data nothing wrong with data but i think the best data is just calling someone on the phone and asking a couple questions. And you can do that a hundred times and get probably the best data you could possibly have to feed into how you communicate. Right. Yeah. Um, 
So we kind of briefly mentioned at the beginning that the cost of securing a new donor is significantly higher than trying to retain one. Um, do you have any stats on that before we? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, I, I would say we still do not like ad spend in general. Spending ads, doing things like we don't like doing it. We we do it, but um, where we've seen the biggest return, if I was going to give you any side of statistics, is there's probably about a thirty or forty percent return we see on web pages that we're building that are saying the right things, right? Mm-hmm. Versus what they were getting before. So I'm just taking data from say, hey, this is. You're either getting a donation or getting to take some sort of action, right? Yeah. From what you had before to now what you're saying. And for like, we're getting more conversions that way. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it could be they were only getting five before and now they're getting X amount or they were getting 100 before, right? So I tell people a lot, if there, however people you have landing on your page today, we can help convert more of those because we're already seeing that those wins. Um, but it does take time. I think 90 days, 120 days to really try to identify things with the group to start seeing more wins that are in monthly donors, building a base. Because um, a lot of times that's kind of our stick too, is like, we want to help build a base of a thousand donors that give 50 bucks a month than a couple that give, you know, uh, $50,000. Um, so yeah, so yeah that's, that's the only data that we probably really have that's been true to how we've built. And then once we've converted over all of their... Um, communication. Yeah, that's probably what I would say. Yeah. What um, has been your experience? I've heard a lot of people talking about monthly giving is like the future of, of Mm. giving. Do you see that being a generational thing? How is that different from when you were doing fundraising? No, it's good. When I, when I was doing fundraising monthly was still the the win that you wanted to get monthly, right? You still kind of that was kind of their thing too. Is like, great, we accept those one-time gifts. We're grateful for them. But if we can get them on monthly, then you can kind of see some longevity. I don't think that necessarily has changed too much outside of how many that you can bring in, even for a smaller amount. And right? are the things- happening like the same way? Were, were you trying to get them into a like digital subscription or was it more of... Yeah, at the we're time, mail you something like once a month, or we're gonna- yeah. At the time, they were signing up on a paper form, but they were allowing them to in their system do it monthly. Okay, right. So they're filling out information, but they're doing it monthly it at the time. Um, but uh, but then you know, there's also something to talk about too. That could be a whole another conversation with when I was keeping up with them monthly with a written newsletter versus uh, what people are doing digitally right now too. There's some yeah. there's pros and cons on both sides, I think, but um. Yeah, monthly donors in general, when we've tried to really identify maybe specifically to a product or resource, something that we can tie that to like, a, you know, this is 10 bucks a month, we're going to add value to you every month. Um, I think nonprofits need to treat the same way that a for-profit would, you know, we're, they're just solving problems and me and have a solution for those problems. You're doing the same way with donors. You're, you're just identifying, you're solving their problem with being a generous person, giving back, being a part of something bigger. Um, and you end up being the solution. You got to find ways to show them that you're the best solution. Um, and a lot of people like hate the side of, you know, like, well, we're just smoozing these people to get them in. And we're just, yes, you are like, there's millions of you out there. And I think we're just, as you can add the most value to these donors, then um, especially longevity for those donors. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I think that there's, there's a, um, an organization called fundraising Academy and their whole point is that um, your cause selling and they try to help like fundraisers become more comfortable with the fact that like, they are essentially selling um, something in, um, 
I think like the word, like you use the word like, like smooth or whatever. Um, but there's yeah. like an element of like woo that you have to have. Yeah. Like, yeah. These are, um, and essentially like you're inspiring them to action. Um, right. so, uh, like that, that's exactly what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, what are some strategies, um, for creating this, this donor retention that we keep talking about? Yeah. To keep them coming back. Yeah. So when we bring them in, we're really trying to tell more of the donor's story through the lens of what they're doing in the nonprofit. And then once they're in, we're sharing the wins every month in their inbox. And a lot of times we're automating the process. So we run into a lot of small groups that are, you know, they want to send out that monthly newsletter, right? And then it comes around on their list and they're like, oh, I don't have time to do this right now. Or I just don't have to share yeah. the thing that just happened, right? And it's like, oh, and they put it off, right? And then three months later, like, oh, I haven't told my donors about what's been going on. Um, even if it's digital. And um, what we've done is we've come in and automated that process and say, hey, let's let's meet with six to 12 of your top donors. We're going to actually create 12 to 24 stories out of those meetings. And then we're going to automate a 12 to 24 month series um, that the day their uh, processing goes through for their donation is the same day they're getting an email that is so they're, you know, they're getting their receipt, right? Because I need that. But then they're also getting another email that is a, a story that's helped drawing them into the impact they're making. And I think everyone agrees with that, right? I think everyone's like, yeah, we got to share the impact, got to share. Um, but how do you automate that, make that smoother process? Um, we could do that with really with any group, but smaller groups are where we're seeing the wins on that because they just don't have the time. A lot of these people are one man show or they've got a couple people on the team and they're just trying to make the day happen. And uh, when that stuff comes by, they know it's important, but then the importance of their mission kind of precedes that. Right. Do you have, again, like, I, I just like love hearing like the significance of what you're saying. And, and, you know, we've, we've heard this before and like even our listeners may have heard this before. I mean, cause we're just constantly putting out, um, you know, like all of the latest research on these types of things, but the importance of having like a nurture or like this drip campaign, like the, the right. you know, it's like that drip campaign that happens like immediately when someone donates. Right. Um, and I mean, just like the loss of, of that communication and like not having that is like worth the amount of time that you, you put into it. But I mean, like, again, like if we, if we had the stats to share, it's like you could retain 60% more donors if you mm. had this like nurturing, like welcome series campaign, like after they first donate. That's a great question. I, that's something I'll, I'll be honest. That's something we're building on our end to show the data that is right. coming from our wins. Right, we've been. This probably been a year and a half that we've been successfully pulling off of those campaigns. Right, we're about five years old, but there are some recent ones that we've done with a group that is a foster care, foster child placement group, and then one that is a they're homeless. Like they're working with the homeless to get them back on their feet, um, and we did a two different things we had them come in through either an email with some sort of resource right a download um we built out one group 17 different emails that went over six different months yeah and then the other group we did was just it was only seven emails and we did that over a few months okay. um we started seeing i think i can't remember which one was which but almost half of the people that came in on one of the groups ended up donating even if it was one time right they would jump in with a donation um, and then once they came in and they started donating, even if it was one time, we saw a conversion of people that donated once started seeing the wins monthly. Cause we would send out the wins monthly, regardless if they gave one time or monthly, right? We would just, they're going to get the wins now ongoing. Um, 
And uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but we saw, so about half of the group came in and then they gave one time. And then after a couple of months of seeing those wins, they started donating monthly, right? So, and it was the same group that came in, right? It was the ones that came in from that win of the email. So right. um, a lot of the stuff we do are email based because we're seeing that as a huge win. Um, and the ways that you say it, a lot of some people are like, well, you're sending way too many emails. Like, no, not if you do it right. Right. right? You're, you could send an email a day if it's adding value and they don't unsubscribe. Yeah. Um, we're not necessarily doing that, but the idea is that uh, we're adding value to their inbox. We're showing wins. We're not always asking things. Um, sometimes we'll go into an interview campaign and we won't ask a single thing, right? We're just adding value. And people are like, well, then how do you get it? I'm like, they, they see it. Right. Yeah. They're seeing the, the wins and the results and then they're coming back going, great, I want to be a part of what you're doing. Calling all nonprofit pros. Do you enjoy learning at your own pace? What about building your resume with certificates to showcase your talents? Nonprofit Hub's library of courses is the perfect place to strengthen your nonprofit skills and take your organization to the next level. You can elevate your impact with handcrafted courses designed exclusively for nonprofit pros like you. Learn to navigate grant writing like a pro. Master digital marketing and social media to amplify your cause. Build a board of directors who actually gets it. Get the scoop on nonprofit finance and more. Don't just make a difference, make the difference. Visit nonprofithub.org courses to see the full list of on-demand courses and sign up for a course today. That's nonprofithub.org slash courses. Now let's get back to today's show. I keep referencing like cause camp sessions, but I just like really loved. Well, there was two on marketing, one on digital marketing and one on strategy and prioritizing and planning. And Lindsay Lachelle always says only bad marketing is overhead. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Ben Smithy said, no one hates advertising. We hate bad advertising because he's Mm -hmm. like, I'm just going to tell you that they would hate having a solution to a problem that they want to see solved delivered to their inbox. Right. <laughs> no one would actually hate that, right? Like we hate right. it. It's like trying to sell me like a baby bottle and I don't even have a baby. <laughs> right. That's <laughs> a good point. Good point. Yeah, yep. <laughs> bad advertising that we don't like. Awesome. Um, but you kind of mentioned like a success story with like the, the donors that came through through this email campaign. Is there any other success story that you can think about that significantly improved its donor acquisition or retention? Um, either with your assistance or just a story that you know about? And what are some kind of key takeaways from that experience? No, that's good. Um, the one I'm I'm really harping on right now, I'll, I'll just do a selfish plug. Uh, we we launched our own nonprofit last year. So our own company launched a nonprofit last year called Vehicle for Good. Okay. And it is a public charity sweepstakes where we are bringing, we're giving away vehicles to the nation, right? Someone in the nation is going to win. And then the money that's being raised gets given to a nonprofit. The reason I'm sharing this is because we're seeing there's two sides. There are people that are just coming in and they just want a chance to win something, right? It's like the, it's like the person that goes and gets the lottery ticket. Yeah. They just want a chance to win. They also just feel good about giving back to a nonprofit. So they don't even care necessarily what the nonprofit is. They just have this feeling of, okay, I feel good about this. And then there's the other side of people that now are meeting nonprofits through this that would never would have saw them otherwise because there's some big opportunity to win. And then we're helping that story come across where they're gaining, I think it was like 8% um, on the first one we did last year that wanted to be a part of that nonprofit, right? Wanted to ongoing communication, wanted to start donating. And I say 8%, I mean, we don't, we had, um, we had almost 4,000 people enter on that first car, right? So I would say that was, that was decent for an amount that 
we one we raised money where it's a hundred thousand dollars right yeah. for a nonprofit and then we got to give them eight percent of that base to go these are people that really want to be a part of what you're doing yeah. um and that's probably one of the non-traditional ways we're, we're trying my my goal is maybe the next 10 years to have four or five things like that that are not necessarily sweepstakes but something that's just non-traditional in ways to fundraise as a yeah. funding source right so we're that's bringing cool. in our profits we're helping them they're paying us and then I got these other funding sources that are like, hey, try this, go try this um, as ways to bring in money. Hmm, that's very cool. I mean, we get asked for content like that all the time as a media platform that continues to try to deliver education, like any creative idea, you know, and that's just like fun. Getting to be creative is just fun. You know, yeah. like, we, you know, we have talked about making sure that you're doing like the traditional <laughs> pillars of fundraising like you need to continue to do those but i think sometimes like along with like the burnout and like the monotony of just being on this like constant like treadmill of fundraising that like yeah. those like fun new things is just a way to just like inspire your day <laughs> um, oh i agree and and it's also i think it's also meeting a need where what we're doing with those funding sources the nonprofit didn't have to be involved at all mm-hmm. they don't even we actually do not use their list or any of their database to build Right. We're not actually reaching out because they should get money directly from them because they're already doing it. Right. But we've built another source. They're like, great, we're going to go do this. You don't have to do anything. We've already got the machine running. Um, Our current one we're in right now, our goal is $300,000 by the end of this year to raise for this truck that we're giving away. We will have to spend a hundred thousand of it for the spin and the car and all those things. But we're hoping to cut a check for a couple hundred thousand dollars to this nonprofit that's involved and they don't have to do anything right it's just part and it's fun for us i'm like man i'm giving away more money than i've ever given away before yeah but then also i'm um helping find new ways to do it yeah yeah of no. course okay so let's kind of answer this this question that we've been like bringing along this whole episode how would you maybe advise or like explain to nonprofits um how to balance the essentials and basics of donor stewardship with the pursuit of these creative fundraising ideas. Yeah, I would, let's see, I would go I back. Think what you kind of, and like, just to say too, I mean, you kind of answered that question in a way because one of the things that you can do to make sure that you're doing these essential and basic things is like you said, the automation. Mm. Yeah, I agree. You're, you're so one of the, I mean, I can't remember what book I read a while back that was, even with my own tasks, right? I ask myself if I'm going to delegate this, mm-hmm. if I'm going to automate it, and then do I am I the do I have to get it done today? Right. That's okay. kind of always I'll my shoot. process. I, think I know what you're I like have definitely yeah, I cannot tell you. I'm sorry whoever <laughs> did this because it was impactful to me. Um we'll find it later and put it in there. But um I do this almost every task, right? But I think that's a good way to also present it's okay. Can I delegate this to someone else on my team? Could I delegate this to a volunteer? Could I delegate this to a board member? Could I delegate this to another donor? Right? Is this something that they'd be willing to be a part of what we're doing? Great. If you can't do that, can I automate this? Is there a system that I can build that would help me then replicate this over and over again? It helps save me some time. You know, maybe if you spend six hours on something that now you don't have to do ever again, and you'll save that 20 minutes a week every week. Um, we do a lot of automations on our end because we're literally just solving little problems. Oh, let us just figure out. Once they make this donation, we'll set up this automation for you to trigger when you send a letter and when you should, you know, like all these little things um, to keep you on task, right? Because there's that one man show that we always work with. Then do I have to get it done today? All right. I think that's still an important, like, does this have to, what's more important today? Right. What's the biggest thing? Is that, uh, what's that, uh, 
eat the frog first, right? You just you mm-hmm. consume that, like, what's the biggest thing I need to get done? They do that first, do the most uncomfortable thing today. At the start of our book, we we talk about, you know, what are the three things that you don't want to do the most? Is it going to the dentist today, doing your taxes or making calls for fundraising? You know, we know it's number three, right? Like you'd rather do the other things <laughs> than, than do that. So with that in mind, what are some ways that you can go, okay, I just need, that's what I need to do today. I need to find one person today I'm going to reach out to or whatever that might be, right? That's just an example. But I think to your point, yes, there are some really great traditional ways that fundraising have been done and will probably never go away. That's great. How can we then add to that to expand on Excel? Um, I do think automation's key. I do think inviting those donors to be a part of something. My life motto is I'm always one person away from changing the course of my future, right? So you could use that too and like, okay, I literally could meet one person that's been a donor after making 100 calls that they get super excited about it. And their company of 100 employees put on a monthly thing that are giving back to what we're doing or are part of coming in person or whatever it might be. Um, I just think we need to try to remove ourselves from thinking this is how it should go and allow it to be, oh, this has just evolved into something that I never thought it would be. Right. And allow that to can then just turn into something like, you know what? What if there's someone out there? that wants to take over your nonprofit and they're better than you are at it. Are you willing to give it away because it'll make a bigger impact, right? What if, like there's there's so many different ways you could rethink. And I think, oh man, it's my baby, it's my thing, How you know, security or whatever. I'm like, yeah, but you're making an impact somewhere. And I'm sure if you meet the right person, it could go even further. Yeah, that's really all well said. I love the, I love the, the delegate, automate. Yeah, automate, yeah. Does it have to get done right now? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I really like that. That's not, kind of reminds me of, I like, I'm a fan of the minimalist podcast. Mm. And he said, you should have a today list and a Sunday mm. list. Yeah. He goes, I bet you, he goes, I'm almost hundred percent certain that you will trash that Sunday list. So if it's not, on yeah. your, it's just like, don't even worry about it. And I was like, <laughs> so true. I, I move things every day to the next day. Yeah. The day. next day, the next and day. And then the I day. get to it and I move it again. And after I see it four or five times, I'm like, just delete that thing. We're not doing like, it. You know? Yeah. It, he's yeah. eventually like, it's obviously not. <laughs> something that needs to get done like you don't need to have it on your to-do list yep um clean up that clutter yeah so that's awesome well this has been really great how can listeners find find you and learn more about quirk growth and that's awesome i appreciate you willing to even promote what we're doing quirk growth q-i-r-k growth.com uh website we're on social media everything the same quirk growth um we actually have a book that we came out with this year called lasting donor locator I think it speaks to a lot of what we already talked about today and really trying to identify the right type of donors. We we actually walk you through what we do with clients already in the book. We just give you the steps, have you write it out to help find that lasting donor so that you can go communicate to them and more co- convert more fundraising. But we're, we would love to give this book to, to your audience for 50% off. So we could throw in a promo code, uh, nonprofit hub and, uh, Hey, if you see, if you hear this a year later, go try it, baby. It's still running and go, go get a book for half off. And then in that, we have a lot of free resources you can download. So there's a lot of things that from there you can grab. And we love to try to give as much as we can away first, because there's a lot of groups that we work with that are smaller, can't always afford what we're doing, but they can start taking things to build some traction before they kind of sit down with us, figure out how we can help them. Yeah. Um, Share as quickly as you learn. I think that that's what you guys. Yeah, that's that's great. Well, thank you so much for that. We'll make sure that we put that that code for 50% off of that lasting donor locator book in the podcast notes. James, we always try to include a segment at the end called Good News for Nonprofits. What is something mm. you would like to share with the sector today? I think I saw that and I, I all I could think about was 
good news. Okay, you have to bear with me. I come from a church background, okay? So the good news to me is Jesus and the gospel. Um, but I think I can relate that to anything that you're doing in the, in, the, in the way that just do good, right? Just go after the good and everything else will be taken care of. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we get so concerned and worried about how we're going to fund this, how we're going to take care of this, how we're going to do this. And we spend so much time and energy on that piece that we lose the sight of the good that we're already doing. So when I, when I saw that, I was like, good news, man. Like, just focus on the good you're already doing and allow the other things to fall into place. Uh, I think if you, I really truly believe that if you constantly go after that good, that all other, all else be added to you. So, yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. Um, well, it's been a pleasure having you on. We'll say au revoir to our listeners and um, we'll talk to you guys on the next episode of the Nonprofit Radio Podcast. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this Nonprofit Hub Radio podcast episode. For more resources on fundraising, marketing, and all things nonprofit, be sure to check out the number one nonprofit toolbox at nonprofithub.org. We hope you'll join us next week for another episode of the Nonprofit Hub Radio podcast.